0: Hey, hey, it's GMAC with O Brett McGarry, CJOB Mornings Podcast. Want to thank you for downloading, subscribing, and or sharing the podcast, our revised format. Here, we're trying to give you the very best of everything we do every morning here on 680 CJOB between 6 and 10. Give it to you in bite-sized pieces, and hopefully you will join us tomorrow morning between 6 and 10. Today, we have Greg Galuli. He is one of Graham James' victims. You may have heard that Theron Fleury wants to sit down with Graham James as part of a documentary. Have a conversation with him. Greg will give us his opinion on that. Barrett Miller, our wildlife expert from Fort White Alive, will tell you how to act if you come across a bear, no matter where you might be could be on the golf course, could be in the middle of the woods. He has some great tips there. And Slurpees. Yes, Winnipeg is, Manitoba is the Slurpee capital of the world for its 19th consecutive year. But at what cost? And should the city be promoting this by honoring Rouge Road with Slurpee Way designation? All sorts of conversation about that between Behind the Glass Jerry and I. And also with Diabetes Canada. Lots to get to, lots to talk about. Let's get right down to it.
1: Sweet calling me
0: back up You can leave that music all you want there, Jerry. What what do you play? What do you usually play on Thursday anyway? That seems like the regular Thursday song is what it feels like. Yeah it was. It was a uh, Sweet Thursday. No, that'll be why. Dude, who performs that? It's Matt Costa. I think you've told us that before, but you know what? Uh, not that it goes in one year and out the other. I just, I sometimes I can't retain retain everything. It's impossible.
2: Yeah, you know what happens. Hey, you're tired today.
0: I am. Is it okay for me to out you on the air like that? Oh, absolutely. Too yeah. late. Yeah, <laughs> just well, did it.
3: No, don't do it. Don't say it. Don't say a thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I went to I went to bed late. I mean, I, there's no one no one to blame but myself. Uh, so
0: yes, the out of town company, right?
3: Well, just left yesterday, oh, so... there you go. You so know, you can't kind of, even blame it on that. Well, you know, partying. Hey, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I'm the glass jury uh, filling in to a great extent for Brett McGarry here so we can have a little bit of back and forth. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Slurpee Capital Championship. Is this a trophy we really want? I, like, I'd like. i prefer a Grey Cup. Can we give it back? I don't know if can we can we trade it, it in? back. I think it's a little late. We already named a, a chunk of road. Honorary Slurpee way. yeah. We'll tell you which uh, stretch of road that is a little later on. We are the
3: my friend.
0: Lots of people celebrating uh, Winnipeg's or Manitoba's world championship, 19th consecutive. No, it's not hockey. It's not lacrosse. It's Slurpee consumption, and I confess... A, I love the odd Slurpee. B, when I was younger, this was a cool thing. It was uh a... Thing you could be braggadocious about when you were speaking to those in, in Calgary and in Vancouver because not because of what makes up a Slurpee, but Jerry, I think for a lot of Winnipegers, it's because of our climate and the knack that we get and the and the knock that we get from other parts of Canada and the world for being this iceberg. And it's like, yeah, you know what? We're so tough. We drink slurpees all year round and we drink them at such a pace, we drink them like nobody else's business. That was that was kind of the badge of honor part.
2: Yeah, I do remember seeing, when I first moved here, seeing people walking down the street in the middle of winter, drinking Slurpees and thinking... Man, that's weird.
0: Weird or, man, are these people Man, tough. That,
4: that guy is tough. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's, <laughs> what I, that's, that's what I was saying. Okay. That yeah, yeah, guy is Yeah, yeah, tough. yeah.
0: Machismo. Machismo. Well, once again, 7-Eleven has declared Manitoba as the sur- slurpy capital of the world, and the city of Winnipeg has even gone as far as designating a block of Rouge Road in Westwood with the on honorary name of Slurpee Way. Too many Slurpees, other sugary treats, well, they're essentially a bad thing to talk about this and discuss. We're joined now by Andrea Kwasnicki. She is Diabetes Canada Regional Director for Manitoba and Nunavut. And Andrea, thank you for taking some time so early on this Thursday morning.
5: Well, thank you for having me. It's... Uh it's a beautiful morning to enjoy the sun,
0: so I'm okay with that. Well, we appreciate you doing it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some notes here from Diabetes uh, Canada. And the third thing on the list, well, why don't we go through three things here. More than 13% of our total daily calories come from added sugars. Canadians are among the highest consumers of sugar worldwide with only 9 other OECD countries consuming more sugar per capita. And number three, this is the one that jumped out at me. Sugary drinks are the single greatest contributor of sugar in our diets. One serving can contain 40 grams and we're still not all that good at the metric system. 10 teaspoons of sugar. How many, how many grams or teaspoons of sugar is allowable for a regular day? Andrea? So,
5: What we recommend or the 10% is is actually what we're asking, that the sugar consumption be limited to 10% of our daily calorie intake, which is approximately 12 teaspoons of free sugars.
0: Okay, so when you go ten to thirteen, right? People go, well, that's not a big difference. Ah, uh, no, that's thirty percent more if you're doing the math uh, fairly accurately. And if you're having one drink with ten teaspoons of sugar, you know there are people out there that have more than one of Absolutely. these drinks a day, right? So Absolutely. what? It, what? What are the ramifications of, of these consumption uh, histories and these consumption habits?
5: Well. We know that diabetes is an epidemic in this country, and um, unfortunately, sixty percent of adult Canadians and one third of those are either overweight as a result, which ends up um, the sugar consumption actually plays a big role in in the weight problem causing long term complications or chronic disease in general uh, when you talk about Grams of sugar, I, I just, um, I did a quick search and, and like you, um, I'm not too uh, familiar with um, with the grams versus the teaspoons. But <laughs> I, um, a 32-ounce Slurpee, um, 116 grams of sugar, oh which is equal
0: to 27 teaspoons. Oh, my God. So. Oh. so, so I have I pounds. have one sugar in my tea in the morning and I'm trying to wean myself off of that. Uh, uh, what size of Slurpee is that,
5: Andrea? That's a 32-ounce Slurpee. That's 468 calories.
0: I'm sorry, I I shouldn't be dumbfounded in the middle of a conversation like this but I really am. So what's the answer here? Because, you know, we opened this topic of conversation yesterday and one of the text messages uh, suggested, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, essentially, don't blame the purveyors of the product blame the consumers. Do we have enough information? Uh, I know that a lot of jurisdictions including ours are starting to put calories uh, and, and give that nutritional information or lack of nutrition information on their menus. Is is that part of the educational process? Because I, I tell you that when you just said that, clearly, I had no idea we're talking 27 teaspoons of sugar in one 32 ounce Slurpee.
5: Yeah. So, Diabetes Canada is advocating provincially and federally for nutritional label readings. So, to ensure that the consumer is aware of their content and uh, what exactly they are intaking with with all foods. So uh, definitely we have a responsibility and both the the consumer as well as the vendor has a responsibility to ensure that Canadians
0: are well-informed There'll be lots of people yelling at the radio right now going, when you go to McDonald's, when you go to these fast food places, you know, it's not good for you. But I don't know if a lot of us realize how not good for you it is, like how far across the line. Some of these combination meals are, and some of uh, how far past the line the consumption of some of these uh, sugary drinks are and and, and I, I agree with this proposal to to help educate people because I consider myself fairly well educated and in the know, but as is is example of our discussion, I, I dropped my pen and darn near fell over when you when you told me the stats on the Slurpee. So so what else so what else can we do? And is the city doing us any favors? Uh once again, I understand they get caught up in the hype of these things, but creating an honorary Slurpee way is probably the wrong message, right?
5: I I we we truly believe so. I mean, um it may seem funny, you know, naming Slurpy way, as uh, but it does have really strong implications. It's almost an endorsement, is what we're looking at, and um, we have to look out for the health of our children. You had an interesting point when you mentioned, you know, Calgary and Vancouver. Those are um, cities that really promote a healthy lifestyle, and. As municipalities, we have a role or government has a role to promote the health of the residents in the, in the city, and part of that is by ensuring that you know we're not advoc- we're not uh, promoting the sugary drinks for children to consume because the target market is our children.
0: Well, we've seen uh, uh, scoreboards that were traditionally sponsored by Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Though That signage has been removed from schools. We've seen pop mas- machines removed from schools. Even I'm hearing chocolate milk now is disappearing from vending machines at schools. Our producer behind the glass, Jerry, said yesterday, well, what if, what if Slurpee and 7-Eleven, what if they were coming to the table with, well, we're going to spend X amount of dollars on some playground equipment and maintaining some playgrounds for some kids. Could that be at least somewhat of a justification for entering into this uh you know deal with uh, I won't call them the devil because uh you know 711 serves its purpose
5: uh, absolutely and and there is a purpose for for both um you know if um if indeed they were supporting physical activity to engage children that would absolutely you know somewhat um soften the the sales pitch. Of a,
0: I don't even know how to word it. Well, it's a you billboard, to, right? It's a billboard for this, billboard. and it's just in one stretch of road in in Westwood, but it's the overall message here. It's
5: the overall message, and with 30% of, of children um, being overweight, it's important that not only um, families, uh, parents, um, but but also the the vendors and the the community is aware that, you know, sugary beverages, those sweetened Slurpees are, um, you know, it's, it's okay to have a treat, but, you know, not the 32-ounce. That's um, consumption is, we're, we're looking at, you know, 12 teaspoons, stum- it's one 32-ounce is, is three times the amount.
0: Andrea, thank you for this. And uh, it's no wonder one of my children com- becomes a completely different person when I allow him a, a Slurpee. They're only allowed a small one, and it's enough to turn him into uh, somebody that he's not. We really appreciate your time. We'll we'll do this again, Andrea. Thanks again.
5: Thanks so much for having me this morning.
0: Andrea Kwasnicki, she is Diabetes Canada, Regional Director for Manitoba Nunavut. Diabetes. Diabetes. Is that Wilford Brimley? Diabetes. You know it. Nice drop. Uh, We shouldn't be laughing, uh, but you know what? We have to. Sometimes the the truth of the situation hurts so much it makes us laugh and it makes us cry in the case of Behind the Glass Cherry. He was crying when he found that clip because we like to entertain you and educate you at the same time. Part of Rouge Road in Westwood is now Slurpee Way, thanks to an act of the city of Winnipeg, City of Winnipeg, Manitoba, for the 19th consecutive year world slurpee consumption quote-unquote champions. But what message is this sending to our kids, sending to us overall about our health? Should we be promoting this? Should we be essentially putting up a billboard, a miniature one, albeit, on Rouge Road and proclaiming uh, this this wonderful, quote-unquote, championship for the city of Winnipeg? Seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Would love to hear from you. One of our listeners says, you better start making more insulin now. I knew this could be a slippery slope. People not happy. Some people not happy that we are, quote, pardon the language, crapping on this achievement of Winnipeg. Here's an example at 780-6868. Slurpees, why is everything capitalized an issue these days? Ultimately, people are responsible for what they decide to drink or not drink. Who cares? My brother has diabetes and didn't drink Slurpees. It seems that you can't even, um, can you say fart on the air? I can say fart on the air. These days without it being politically incorrect or hurting someone's feelings. Uh, when did everyone turn into sheep? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Everyone should just put their big girl or big boy pants on and think and act for themselves. What has happened to our society we live in? Everything in moderation. I, You know what? I can agree with everything you said um, except for everything. The last sentence, (laughs) everything in moderation, everything else, I'm really not understanding. I want to know if you knew, because I, until about an hour ago, I guess a half an hour ago, did not know there were 27 teaspoons of sugar in a 32 ounce Slurpee. And in terms of people being sheep, I think we're all being sheep. We're being led down the road by Raising the flag for this 19 years of world champions. And the last thing is since when did the city get in the business of selling Slurpees for any organization, let alone 7 Eleven? Former National Hockey League star, Manitoba raised Theo Fleury, is hoping to sit down face to face with his abuser. convicted sex offender Graham James if you hadn't heard this story Flurry told Global News the other day the idea came up during planning for documentaries currently in the process of filming the proposal is one step closer to happening following a decision by the parole board of Canada Sheldon Kennedy who was also abused by James told Global News that he is not in favor of this idea
3: that by giving Graham James the power to try to convince people that he's done nothing wrong. Like he's, uh, uh, he believes, um, you know, I, am not sure if that's, if that's something that, uh, uh, would be most beneficial.
0: Former Winnipegger, Greg Galuli joins us now. And, uh, Greg is the author of the book, I am nobody confronting the sexually abusive coach who stole my life. He's joined us many times here on 680 CGOB. Greg, always great to connect with you, my friend.
3: Oh great, thanks for having me.
0: Well, I appreciate this and you know what? I I I I often feel guilty about reaching out to you every time a story like this comes out, but I think the message is important here because my first reaction was how manipulative is this SOB Graham James that he would accept this opportunity to sit down with Theron Flurry. And to me, and I think I might've mentioned it to you in my message to you, to me, it screams that this guy's looking for yet another opportunity to not only control the message, but to exercise his power in this relationship between these two gentlemen. Am I off base on this?
3: No, I actually think it's going to be fascinating to see what Graham does, because right now we've only heard Theo's idea. We haven't, Heard that Graham has accepted the offer, and I am sitting on the sidelines here, thinking it's it's not not the best of ideas. But now that there has been substantial outcry, I will be interested to see whether Graham internalizes that and tries to come across as a good guy by refusing the offer, if you know what I mean. And, and I'm, I'm putting him in an impossible position, but that's fine because he should be in an impossible position. But if he accepts it, it confirms everything we think about him and what you just said about him. And if he rejects the offer, I think that's just him playing the game at a different level, trying to look good when he's really bad.
0: So uh, what kind of exercised my guilt somewhat was the idea is I know how important this story is for you to get out, for others to be aware about how a big a part of the conversation and keeping our kids and keeping one another safe has to do with power and those that are executing and trying to hold power over another individual. Cause that's really what this is all about.
3: Uh, absolutely. And the, the problem with giving, l- a voice to someone like Graham is that you are feeding his ego. And look, Gra- Graham's a psychopath, right? He's a manipulator. He's somebody who has 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 violated the 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 social norm, the the rules that that, that govern us in, in the most heinous of ways. And everything that Graham does is simply to to feed his needs, his uh, desires, his sexual desires, and and now his ego. And there there would be nothing better. Uh, in Graham's eyes than again to believe and have others believe that maybe he has something to offer that by studying Graham, we could learn about the pedophile and we could learn what to be afraid of. But it would simply be Graham playing with us once again, because Graham's actions are are what speak for who he is and, and what he does. Graham's words are meaningless.
0: Why do you think Theo wants to do this?
3: Well, I think Theo comes from a a place of of goodness. I think in Theo's own recovery, he has gotten to a place where he believes that forgiveness is essential and that his ability to forgive Graham is a sign of his recovery. And so Theo wants to share his journey that that he went on with the world in the hopes that it will make it easier and better for survivors and, and people who have gone through what he's gone through. I I don't think everyone processes things the same way. And I think that anyone who can forgive Graham is an outlier. Theo's a far better human being than I am if he can forgive Graham, because I'm nowhere near in a position to forgive Graham.
0: Right in the title of your book, Confronting the Sexually Abusive Coach Who Stole My Life, uh, you've yet to do that, essentially. Uh, Did you do that with this book, and has it accomplished what, what you hoped it would, Greg?
3: That's a very good question. I don't think that I've ever truly confronted Graham. I think that in, in writing the book, it it was a, a helpful process in getting me to confront myself. And I think that that my recovery has been a journey of learning how to forgive myself for how I beat myself up and, and all, all of what I did to myself in the aftermath of the abuse. And I had to forgive myself and I had to see myself not, not as the cause of the, of the the problem and and what happened. I I had to forgive myself and and learn to understand myself better. And that's why I think anything that involves Graham is potentially just a, a catastrophically bad idea, because Graham's the bad guy. Graham's the one who 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 did the evil. Graham is the one who who should be forgotten. And in fact, if our if our criminal system Court system, justice system isn't going to put Graham away for years. The harshest punishment he could ever get from the rest of us is to be ignored.
0: He's an author. He's a graduate of Princeton University and the University of Toronto Faculty of Law and has held senior positions in numerous corporations across the country. And that's the way I think of you, Greg. Your story is simply part of who you are. It does not define you. And I apologize if we define you uh, every time we speak to you, but, but you know how I feel about you. And it's, a, it's an honor always to get time with you. Any excuse, uh, it, it's a little bit of a selfish one on my part.
3: Oh, thanks very much. Uh, I appreciate that. I know it's great speaking with you.
0: Greg Galuli, joining us this morning from, uh, Toronto, the book, and it's an amazing read. If you have kids, if you have demons of your own, if you have, if you have unanswered questions about something that you went through, um, this accomplished man, uh, In his book, right in the title, I Am Nobody, Confronting the Sexually Abusive Coach Who Stole My Life, Greg Galuli. I recommend it highly. Here are some facts. Justin Trudeau was in Creston, B.C. in August of 2000 to attend the Kokanee Summit to raise funds in honor of his brother, Michelle, who died in an avalanche in, in that region. Fact, the Creston Valley Advance, a local paper with a staff of four, a publisher, editor, two reporters, sent their only female reporter to cover Trudeau's visit on behalf of the National Post. Fact, the Advance published an editorial after the Kokanee Summit accusing Trudeau of, quote, groping and inappropriately, quote, handling their reporter. Fact, the same editorial quotes a day-late apology from Trudeau himself. I'm sorry if I had known you were reporting for a national paper. I would never have been so forward. We're going to the West Coast now. He hosts The Shift with Drex right here on 680CJB. You can hear him from 12 midnight till 4 a.m. and then catch a replay of the first hour of his show between 4 and 5. Drex, thanks for joining us here on the Prairies. We are working on opposite ends of the wick, so to speak. You're at the end of your day. I'm at the beginning of mine.
4: I'm usually in bed by now.
0: Well, I appreciate you staying up a little bit later for us. So Happy so I love the fact that you call it how you see it. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, is he playing both sides of the of the game here?
4: he's playing his own game, and he's playing a hypocritical game, too, because, uh, look, if you read that editorial, and I'm sure you've talked about it, uh, it, it is clear that something happened in Creston in 2000. A reporter wasn't happy with it. Clearly had a conversation uh, uh, with her boss about it. The boss was fumed enough that he wrote an editorial basically calling out the son of a former prime minister, going, hang on, you should, you should know better, sort of, considering the circles that you move in, you should know better than to uh, treat a person like this. Uh, it was only after the fact that he found out that she was reporting uh, and filing for national newspaper that he actually goes, oh, oh, oh if I, well, if I knew you were working for XYZ, I Y, Z, I wouldn't have been so forward. It's
0: incredible that these words would come out of anyone's mouth, let alone someone with the pedigree of a Justin Trudeau, whether he was prime minister or, as you say at the time, the son of a former prime minister.
4: Yeah, and you know what he said? He's said some pretty interesting things in things in the last couple of years. That uh, I, I guess you know now with this current environment, with what he apparently is accused of doing in Creston, uh, that kind of you know really put him in a in an interesting position. He was asked about this uh, on Canada Day, and he just said, "Oh, I, I don't remember any negative interactions." Uh, well, you must remember something because everyone else seems to remember it. Uh, I, I want to play this piece of audio. This is from a CBC interview uh, in February of this year, where a, a journalist asked him about uh, standards for, because we've seen this with like Kent Hare and a few others, where, you know, if you, if you do something or been accused of something, uh, there needs to be some sort of investigation. That is a, a, according to the liberal government. So here's, here's the, the question and the answer from the prime minister.
1: Will the same standard apply to you if someone comes forward? The, the standard applies to everyone. There is no... Uh, there is no context in which uh someone doesn't have responsibility for things they've done in the past this is something that i've that i'm not new to i've been working on issues around sexual assault for over 25 years my first uh my first activism and engagement it was at the sexual assault center mcgill student society where i was uh, one of the first male facilitators in their outreach program leading conversations sometimes very difficult ones on on issues of consent communications uh, accountability power dynamics you've mentioned the past some of the cases that we've heard from so far date far back into uh, uh, into the years and i'm wondering Uh, As you look back at your own career, um, is there a a chance at some point that your actions might have not been construed the way they were intended? I don't think so. I've been very, very careful all my life to be... Uh, thoughtful and to be respectful of people's space and and people's uh, uh, people's head well. Yeah. Uh,
4: okay. So that that audio alone, uh, hearing it like that, uh, yeah, puts him into that uh, that hypocritical sphere himself. The fact is, you know, he sets set a set of rules for uh, his cabinet ministers and other Liberal Party members, but doesn't stick to those same rules himself, which is the hypocrisy, I guess.
0: Well, it was your tweet yesterday that really caught my attention. That made me want to get you on the air today. Do you think the prime minister should follow his own rules and step to the side while this Absolutely. is investigated? It seems there are rules for just him and separate rules for everyone else.
4: Uh, it, it's funny, I've seen a lot of people saying, well, the, the, the woman that made the complaint doesn't want to talk about it. She doesn't want to be identified. It has moved so far beyond that now. It has moved into the realm of, well, you're a prime minister. You set down the ground rules of how people need to behave themselves uh, when they're politicians or prior to being politicians, uh, that they need to be held accountable. Those claims need to be investigated. And, and now you're basically trying to... And look, I would imagine all of his, uh, all of his little helpers there in Ottawa uh, are doing their best to make sure that this story uh, isn't out there. Because when this story broke, G7 was happening. When this, w- when this was first tweeted about, Donald Trump had hopped on Air Force One to go to, uh, to, go to Singapore to meet Kim Jong-un uh, and was tweeting about the prime minister. So the news cycle used that, and this thing just got blown to the wayside. But I don't think we should leave it alone. If you've got a prime minister saying, these are the rules, these are the policies, and then he doesn't stick to his own policies, then you shouldn't be in the job.
0: Now, I'm not one to criticize people for ums and ahs. I can um and ah with the best of them when I'm searching for the proper word, as I just did there. The Prime Minister is famous for his ums and ahs, and I think sometimes you can tell uh, how he's communicating and exactly not necessarily what he's thinking, but the fact that he's trying to think on his feet, and he's not very good at it, just as he wasn't on Canada Day in Regina when this was broached with him.
1: Uh, I remember that day in Creston well. It was a, a foundation uh, Avalanche Foundation uh, uh, event uh, to support uh, to support uh, Avalanche safety. Uh, I had a, a good day that day. I don't remember any uh, negative interactions that day at all
4: yeah he d- he did not want to answer that question. You notice they probably changed the the, the, the topic pretty quick quick afterwards. Uh, I just want to play one more piece from that audio I just played you. Uh, you can hear him doing it here. Listen to this pit real quick
1: i don 't think so i 've been very, very careful all my life to be uh, thoughtful and to be respectful of people's space and, and people's, uh, uh, people's head space. Well. The,
4: the natural end to that statement would have been, I've been very careful all my life. And then he realized that, that was probably not the best word to leave it on so added a little bit more. And if you listen to that whole clip, he very rarely ums and ahs in that clip because I, I think he knows what he's been asked about by that journalist. The fact that the journalist said, yeah. well, do you think there's anything that's happened in your past that maybe you would regret? Oh, no, I been care- very careful my entire life, and then adds the bit about being respectful. So, I, I look, I like the guy, I like the fact that he's the prime minister. But regardless of who is in charge, if you set a set of ground rules uh, for your political party, you need to stick to those ground rules as well.
0: We've seen the terminology witch hunt used an awful lot by the president of the United States here. We don't want to get into a witch hunt here in Canada, but what do you think the next step should be here, Drex?
4: Uh, I think that, uh, that maybe the same people that uh, well, not so much interviewed the same people that investigated the Ken Hare thing should maybe have a chat to this, uh, this journalist who, from what we understand, is still unknown at this stage. I know a few people uh, in, in the business know who she is. Uh, she doesn't want to really talk, but all, look all they need is a confirmation that it either happened or it didn't i don 't know what, what other questions they need to ask to qualify whether something happened because it's, uh, it's, uh, it would be a matter of he said she said, but look it's our own Prime Minister. Ourselves. Uh, ourselves that you know said to us uh, the women need to be believed so I'm believing the woman let's find out a little bit more about about this did it happen or didn't it happen
0: the conv- the conversation will continue if uh, Drex has anything to say about it we appreciate you uh, jumping in on this this morning at the end of a long day on the shift Drex and that and that conversation will continue with uh, many ums and ah's we wouldn't want it any other way thank you sir. <laughs> No worries, man. Thanks so much. The PM on the record is saying the same standard applies regardless of timelines, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on. Mr. Prime Minister, prove it.
1: I'm
3: a real wild one. Wild one. Wild one. Wild
2: one. You might even call me the naughty ranger. I I may or may not have talked to an owl in my time. (laughs) We are built a little bit differently than a goose. I'm not sure they were using woodchucks over there. You wake up for a little bit, you maybe hit up the washroom. Have a snack, go back to sleep. There are confused, angry muskrat teens sometimes. We can use our big human brains to realize that they're just sort of angry at the world and thinking about their family right now. I smell burning nuts. I smell hot dogs. Yeah, that Coney Island eating contest... Uh uh, the Bears will be onto that mode in a couple of weeks, but that's not where they're at now. <laughs> Stuffing in the 74 if they can get their paws on them. Oh my
0: God. If you missed it, Joey Chestnut uh, defends his title. In fact, Jerry, didn't he break a world record? 74 dogs in 10 Seven, minutes yeah, yesterday. 74
3: dogs in 10 minutes. New world record.
0: That's unbelievable. And what he does is he eats the wiener first and then he takes the bun, soaks it in water and then eats the bun. And he does this on an alternating basis. So almost like a raccoon
2: then. Interesting. Tell me about the raccoon. Raccoons like getting their food wet. Uh, it used to be thought that they needed to get their food wet to eat it. Um, and actually in French, their uh, name is the raton laveur, the washing rat. <laughs> um, so somebody was really observing. Yeah, uh, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, trash bandits and washing rats. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, there's a reason why we uh, continue to bring Barrett on. He's a regular here and today. We weren't intending to talk about hot dogs or raccoons, but uh, you know what? When you sit with with GMAC, that's what happens, Barrett. The uh, train of thought quickly gets disrailed, as uh, Brett likes to say. Manitoba Conservation closed the Montario Trail uh, from its terminus at Big White Shell to Montario Lake after hikers were
2: were attacked by a bear. How common are bear attacks, Barrett? Not common common at all. Uh, they are really not common. Um, looking at the stats, I couldn't find a good solid number for how many times somebody is hurt by a bear in Manitoba. That tells me that it's pretty close to zero. In North America, over like 1907 to the present day, there's been less than four dozen fatal encounters with black bears. In Manitoba in that period, there's been three or possibly four.
0: And I guess that's why it makes the news every time it, it does. happens.
2: It does. Um, right now, there's a healthy population of black bears right across pretty well all of North America outside of the deserts and in the incredibly high alpine areas. Uh, we're not exactly a continent that's devoid of people. <laughs> Just about every Manitoban has been near a black bear, whether they know it or not. All those times that we're close to one and we don't come face to face all those times that we do come face to face and it ends well for the person and the bear it might be a cool story to tell your friends when you get back from your camping trip or you know you finish that round of rural golf but it's not newsworthy somebody gets bitten by a bear somebody gets knocked around by a bear a bear acts aggressively and has to be put down of course that's going to make the news as it should conservation should shut down the trail But what doesn't make the news is all those good things that happen out there every day this shouldn't dissuade people from going outside.
0: So I had my own interaction with a, a bear in British Columbia. Uh, I was taking a shortcut to, in Salmon Arm, BC. The railroad track runs along the Shushwap Lake. Okay. And my aunt and uncle live north and east, a little bit of town. And the, and the shortcut is to walk along the train track, as if that doesn't have enough issues of its own, the CN main line running through town. Um, I ignored a sign uh, that said that a bear and her cubs had been spotted. And sure enough, as I was, oh, probably halfway to town, to my left in the bush, a mama bear and her cubs. And that is really the most dangerous of the situations, right? Was it a grizzly bear or a black bear? I'm sure it was a black bear. I don't think grizzlies... Make it down there. Yeah, yeah. uh, not too common.
2: And actually, you know what? A mother black bear with her cubs, any mother animal will defend her offspring. Yeah. I've seen squirrels and chipmunks and, well, before they're those crazy teen muskrats, the muskrat mothers, ducks, geese, anything will defend their young. Some more aggressively than others. Black bears don't tend to be particularly aggressive. Really? No, no, that's not carte blanche. Like, Don't go out there and start cuddling little baby black bears. But mum black bear wants them up the tree and away from the problem.
0: Now, I, I always heard this, uh, main, so maybe you're going to dispel mm-hmm. this, the whole I- idea of of breaking the scent path between mama and baby bear. It's but, not a
2: good idea to do. It's a provocation, but it's a pretty low provocation, and they've got a pretty good tolerance for that kind of thing. Now, if it was a grizzly bear, that's a story. totally different story. Um, no, where black bear black bear attacks tend to happen with young male black bears looking for food. Most black bear attacks are territorial and defensive, but that's really where it's almost I don't want to blame anybody who's ever been bitten by a black bear, but if you get into a territorial or defensive dispute with a black bear, they've given you fair warning. They've probably huffed and puffed, swatted the ground, waved their head back and forth, and maybe even come at you three or four times. If you are still pressing the issue, if you haven't just made yourself big, talked to the bear in a calm, deep, Johnny Cash-type voice and backed off at that point, the bear's just doing what comes naturally to it. Right. A predatory bear is doing what comes naturally to it, too, but that implies hunting. Right. Um, younger male bears will sometimes follow people. Young male bears will get inquisitive. If a bear makes eye contact and isn't doing things like swatting the ground, isn't doing things like sniffing, trying to make itself big, and it keeps on coming, again, you make yourself big, you talk to that bear in the clearest. I am not food voice you can... Um, And you start thinking about your escape route or what you can do to dissuade that bear. If you're hiking in bear country, bear spray is a good thing. Gets a bad name in the city because people misuse it, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty key out there in the woods. Air horn? Loud noises can help rocks, sticks. Um, We have opposable thumbs. Use your opposable thumb to make a fist, and if the bear gets close enough, swing for the nose. Oh, my God.
0: I can't imagine. I know being you can't. I know.
2: I know you can't. But uh, if the bear is doing what comes naturally to yeah. it, and it's close enough to touch, do what comes naturally to you and uh, fight back. You know more of us have had an interaction
0: with dogs than we've had with bears. Dogs yes. will warn you right before they're going to nip at you. Well, jobs.
2: actually, that's an interesting thing that you brought up. Um, then, if you look at the number of dog bites that need care in an emergency room there every go. year, and the number of dog fatalities across North America every year black bears do start to look pretty cuddly, even the predatory ones.
0: Well, there you go. And I suspect if we sat here long enough, you'd try and talk me out of my fear of sharks as well. But uh, my fear of sharks is well entrenched. It's not going anywhere. I have a healthy respect for the ocean and and that it shall stay. Uh, we just have, what, about a minute left here, Jerry? Uh, so other than uh, being aware of your surroundings and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, taking those extra precautions, is there anything else that really that we can do? What if we have to What if we feel as though we have to run, which sounds like it's a horrible idea.
2: It is. um, Our instinct might be to, you have to really fight that instinct. If it is a predatory bear, the bear is faster than you are. And just like playing with the dog or an aggressive dog, you can trigger that the It's running. It must be food instinct in the animal. Um, You're better to stand your ground. You're better to back off slowly facing it. Make yourself not food. Keep kids with you. Um, if you do have a dog in the bush with you, keep it on a leash for a lot of reasons, but also because it might run, cause trouble, and then come running back when trouble happens, right. bringing trouble with it.
0: Right. Um,
2: as you go through the woods, make noise. Now, you don't need to be blasting music, but make some noise. Be clean. Respect the bears.
0: Barrett Miller, we appreciate your time as always, your insight and your expertise. He's wildlife expert at Fort White Alive. What's the website before I let you go?
2: www.fortwhite.org.
0: I'm Greg Mackling for Behind the Glass, Jerry. Thank you for spending part of your week with us.